I want to say this real quick. Where's my camera? I want to say this real quick to everybody in the room and to you watching online. Last week I announced at the end of service, I announced at the end of service what I believe God put on my heart the previous week, so about 10 days ago or so, and that's that we're going to do an end-of-the-year offering. And the, and the theme behind it or the thing that we're going to get behind is called go. Everybody say go. go. Now, go is not just random. It's not just go wherever you want to go. It's go exactly where God puts on our hearts to go. And I'm convinced that every person, if you don't know today, that's okay. But every person's going to know over the next few weeks where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to go for. Some of you, it'll be your children. And believing that God is going to save them. Some of you it is restoration of of homes, marriages, lives. But whatever the go is, we're going to put our offering. And we're going to, I I, I preached a message about this a few years ago. But we're going to sow where we want to go. But in particular about the Christmas season, Christ just means anointed or the anointed one. He's the Savior who God sent. He said go into the earth. I'm going to preach this more over the next few weeks. But, but. The word mas means go on mission. And so whatever that mission is that God's called us to, we're going to put our money where our mouth is and we're going to sow where we want to go and I'm super excited about it. But this is today's message and it's the last one of If My People. And I got to give you all a little bit of background. On Tuesday of this week, I was um, preparing to finish get a good word for this message. I knew exactly what it was supposed to be. And every time I open something, because on my typical week is Tuesday, I start trying to make sure that I got the blueprint. I pretty much have an idea of weeks in advance because God normally will download some things and it's just ideas and I can go back and, and have the scripture and then go with it and try to build it. And by Thursday, I'm finishing it and hopefully done. Sometimes it bleeds over to the weekend. But, but Tuesday of this week, the more that I thought about if my people, the more I heard go. And I was like, all right, I'm getting a little frustrated because I have to preach on Sunday this week, Holy Ghost, so can we work on this? And every time I did, I'm telling y'all, as God is my witness, I have 13 sermon ideas for the word go. I had zero sermon ideas for the word this. So I was like, all right, I can either be real smart or I can just marry the two and let's go. So that's what we did. And I'm super pumped. And I've actually decided that instead of getting real, real smart, I'm just going to go with what he said, and I'm going to start a new sermon series next week. Can anybody who's brilliant in the room figure out what that new sermon series title might be? It's go. Y'all are so awesome. Y'all are so awesome. It's go. So we're going to finish on go, and then we're going to go on go. So let's go. Here we go. I'm super excited. So let's finish this series. It's amazing. I can't wait to preach this word, and I believe it's going to change your life, your lineage. So here we go. Yeah, Y'all are with me. All right. So the, the whole series, if you missed it, go back and watch it if you missed it. It's based on this, and it's if my people, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people will come on my, my name. Everybody say humble. Super important. Even today, it's, it's, it's so critical that humility is the lead. But we humble ourselves and pray and seek, our, seek the Lord's face and turn from our wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so the next several weeks, we're going to be dealing with this how God heals the land, how God changes the course of history, and we hear from him. But today is turn from their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways. Now, if you're like me, if you're like me, you would love to walk with God every single day. 
You would love to walk with God every single day. And maybe some of you aren't that way. But by the end of this message, this message is for you, I promise. If you've never been a follower of Jesus, if you're far from God, or if you're a person that passionately pursues him, this message is for you today. But, but just in my life in general that I want to tell you about, I find myself really chasing the Lord. And I also find myself super frustrated at times because my feelings, y'all look at me. I'm a man, but I have emotions. <laughs> I, I have emotions. I get crazy. I don't trust them ever. I do not trust my emotions because I can do unbelievable. I can have the greatest week in the history of the world. What God did in my life just this week alone, I'm just really laying it out for y'all today. I didn't, y'all just get to have it. But God did a lot in my life this week, and I was super grateful. And then I woke up yesterday, and I literally thought about Whose head can I bite off? I'm mad. I don't even know why I'm mad. But I don't like, you know, I felt like the Tasmanian devil fit to cut somebody. Right? Why? And when I start trusting my emotions, I get crazier and crazier and crazier because I wake up and go, Holy Ghost, I done prayed all week. And I studied. And we broke some things off of people together. It was you, but you let me help. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so this was great. And today I just want to cuss. I know nobody else in here ever has that, so y'all are welcome to be quiet. Y'all lying. Right? I just feel crazy. Yesterday I got a pizza. I'm not making this up. I got a pizza I was supposed to eat somewhere. Lee and I were out, and I finally just, I saw little Cedar. I don't recommend it. Can I just be honest with y'all? <laughs> Government cheese. Least the government needs. We'll just keep going. You're going to have to go to the toilet. We'll keep, we'll just, don't worry about what I just said. But I was like, it's quick. It's easy. We'll just go in there and, and get a, a hot now because I'm ready to go home because I want to hang out with my wife. And we're on a little date. It's great. So, so I go in there, and it's quick and easy, and they don't have it ready. What's the sign for? You said it's ready now. I don't care what kind of pizza it is, if it's cheese and meat or no meat. As long as it's got the sauce, I'll take it. Sir, it'll be 15 minutes. What part of ready is 15 minutes? I was about to lose my mind. I had to repent to God. I had to repent to the woman. I had to repent to everybody in the room. Why? Because I, I felt crazy. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about the pizza. And all week long, God had done unbelievable things in my life. So what is wrong with me? Because COVID wasn't a problem. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about in this room? This is the title of my message today. I want to change, so help me God. Huh? Does anybody know what I mean? I want to do right, but I find myself doing wrong. And no matter how right I was for seven days in a row, good God Almighty, I've lost my mind. Help me, Jesus. Anybody that knows me, and, and especially that knows my dad, knows how much, I call him Pop, so when I say that, that's my dad. It's, it's uncanny how much, I look like him. Matter of fact, I'm not bald, if y'all can tell, and he is, and he's 25 years older than me, a little bit shorter, but if I was a little bit shorter and I cut my hair off, it would be spooky weird how much we look alike, but that's not the only thing that's alike. It's not the only thing that's alike. We share some, some traits, some genetic things that are similar. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about physical traits. For example, when we used to go on vacation when I was growing up, I used to make fun of him so bad. Because as soon as we got down the road 20 minutes, my pops would start trying to adjust his neck. This may be none of y'all. If y'all don't have spinal issues, then just feel sorry for us for a second, all right? 
But Pops would start doing like this and start rolling his neck around. And I'd look at him and go, bro, what is wrong with you? We need to get you one of those neck brace things or get you a heat pad or something, but you're driving me crazy. And he'd be doing this the whole time. We take long trips, just adjusting, adjusting, adjusting. I made fun of him for years. Laney, you can say amen to this. Now, who does it now? Me. Laney makes fun of me, so the roles have reversed. I'm looking at the camera. Your mom's going to watch this later. She's going to rebuke it. And Leah will sit beside it. It ain't like it's any better with Leah, so she'll, she'll call you out, but she'll tell the truth because Leah now looks at me and goes, you look just like your dad. We get 15 minutes down the road, and I'm adjusting, I'm adjusting, I'm adjusting. I'm like, you don't understand. I slept wrong on my neck, and it drives me crazy. I can't turn, and if a car's coming beside me, you want me to wreck? I can't get no help. Help me, Jesus. And the reality is I've, I, I've had spinal issues in my life. I've had two surgeries on my back, and then, but when my neck seizes up it tightens up and when, when I sleep wrong or something like that happens because of the issues in my spine it's ridiculous how frustrating it is and if y'all have ever had a catch in your neck you can understand part of what I'm talking about I mean it's hard to do this if it's off balance if it's misaligned if it's not right so I got a chiropractor that I go to I go I try to go to him once a week but and when I go to him it helps a lot because he can readjust and get this lined up but things that I've noticed is that in my neck and shoulders, not just in my spinal column, but in my neck and shoulders, I, I get these calcium buildups. I had to study sports medicine some for when I was coaching, and I loved the study of it because it was so interesting to me. And what I learned is that acid and calcium begin to build up, and they get in your muscles. And when you get deep tissue massages, that's what you're actually breaking down. And so as I get adjusted and the, and the deep tissue starts breaking down, that's awesome. And it helps. And the next thing you know, I have some movement again. But watch this. If I'm not careful, just because I get a little bit of turn ability, everybody say turn. I want to turn to God. And just because I get the ability to turn doesn't mean I get rid of the acid. It doesn't mean that the toxicity that's inside of me goes away. Something has to happen. And so there's some of you in here today that you came in here and you feel like you have no, nothing, you can't turn at all because you're so seized up, you're so bound up. And I believe in Jesus' name, before this day's over, you're going to be unbound. But there's a bunch of you that have been unbound several times in your life, but you're living with bitterness and you don't understand why. You didn't ask God for it. Matter of fact, you asked God to, to relieve you from it. But it needs to go. Someone say go. It's got to go. So today I want to show you a passage that I'm super excited about that I think perfectly describes what we're talking about here. Because I want to turn. I want to change. So help me, God. And it's John chapter 8. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it's, and, but I want to look at it from a little bit different perspective this morning because I don't just want to focus on the, the woman. This is the woman caught in adultery. But I don't just want to focus on the woman. At first, I want to focus on the Pharisees and scribes. Because I believe that's a lot of us in this room who got free but got hard again. Here we go. It says, early in the morning in verse 2, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him and sat down and taught him. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been, someone say caught. caught. Say it loud, say caught. caught. Who had been caught. If we're not careful, when we get bitter and hard, we'll want to catch people doing what's wrong so we can feel good about what we're doing right. I'm going to preach good today. Let's keep going. 
who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. In other words, in the middle of where Jesus was teaching, these religious leaders, the Pharisees had the Bible memorized that was written up till that point. They know the Word of God way better than Mark Pangle will ever dream of knowing it. So it is not about what you know, it is about what is in you. You can learn and learn and learn. You know when I always get my spiritual, like, Radar come up every time that someone wants to tell me something religious, every time that I'm around them and tell me how much they know about God, but I watch their life and it's the complete opposite. They're one of these. I'm not impressed with how much someone knows spiritually. Now, I love to get around other pastors that are much smarter than me and they can pull things out of me, but I do not want to be around those that know more than me, but they're not living what they say they're living because they'll end up throwing a rock at you if you're not careful. I'm about to preach good. Here we go. Y'all watch. He said, they said to him, teacher, we caught this lady in adultery. It says, it says, in the very act of it. I'm not going to get too detailed in this because we're going to keep it PG. But that means she was naked. And they threw her down. Now, if you're not from the South, that is N-E-C-K-E-D, naked. If you don't know how to say it, we're in the South now. Learn our language. Is everybody Okay. That's not proper English. We ain't care. <laughs> but it says that she was caught. Now, this isn't I caught you with a text message. This is I caught you in the middle of your misery, in the middle of your shame, and I want to expose you to show that I'm right. I want everyone to know how right I am. So watch this. This is so important. What they have done up till this point was not wrong at all. As a matter of fact, you could argue by the law's sake they had done right. It says they caught her and they threw her in the middle, in the midst, while Jesus was teaching now, in the law of Moses, we're commanded, the, the, the Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you think we should do with her? And the Bible says that, I'm going to read it to you in just a second, they did this to catch Jesus, try to get him to say something he shouldn't so they could kill him. But I want you to think about you for a second before we go there. Because the reality is there's not one of these scribes and Pharisees that did not believe they were doing the right thing. Matter of fact, they knew they were doing the right thing because the law said it was right. But a lot of us take what is right or take what is religious right, take what, what, is, what is word for word what the Bible says, which you always go with what the word says, but that doesn't mean that you contextualize it correctly. And oftentimes we put it as a weapon against people instead of a weapon against the enemy. We make it to where we can hurt other people and God never intends for us, the army of God, to hurt each other. We're the only army in the world that kills our own wounded. And in this case, because we've gotten adjusted and we've understood good things of God and yet we let seep in the septic nature of what is acid and calcium buildup when we don't have a daily washing. Someone say daily. A daily cleansing of my heart, a daily washing. That does not mean you have to get saved more than once. You're saved one time. But, but my salvation when I was a teenager doesn't do anything for me as a 40-year-old when I wake up and I have a Holy Ghost hangover and don't know what's wrong. I ain't done nothing wrong, but I feel all kinds of crazy. And if I'm not careful, I'll trust my feelings, and then I'll lash out at you and prove to you how wrong you are and how right I am. I'll pick up stones because I have a stony heart. I'll pick up stones because I have a stony heart. Look what, look what Zechariah chapter 7, and it's supposed to be 12a right there. I don't know what I did. Help me, Lord. Where'd I go? Zechariah chapter 7, and this is the first part of verse 12 in the New Living. It said, they made their hearts as hard as stone. This is not the Lord. This is us. 
who, who might start understanding the Lord, might un- start understanding the things of the Lord, might have a little bit of ability to determine because, because we get adjusted in Jesus' name in our hearts. But in our, in our pride, our hearts become hard as stone. So they could not hear the instructions. Do you hear what this says? They could not hear the instructions. This is so amazing to me. The thing that they're throwing out When they pick up the rock, they're throwing the instructions of the law, but they can't hear it for themselves. One telltale sign that I'm getting hardened in my heart is if I see your sin but can't see mine. Once you become the biggest sinners I know and and the thing that I wake up with every day is not gratitude for how awesome God is, I'm becoming a stoned heart person. I'm becoming a stony heart person. And this is the thing y'all need to know that stony hearts lead to stone throwers. That I will be one of those people that accuse and throw stones. And, 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 and rightfully, by the way, they're right. Calling out all the bad things that everybody's done. Hey, little side note. Can anyone tell me out loud what the Ten Commandments were written on? Stone. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it was right. It was God's commandments. But I need y'all to know that God never wanted you to focus on that. Those are there as guardrails in your life to not fall over the edge, to not fall over the cliff. And at the end, I'm going to show you that God leads you to follow his commandments. But it is not about following his commandments. It is about following him. And once it becomes all about what I do for God, once it becomes what, all that I've not done and done, once I get in this behavioral rut, listen to me, the devil does not care if you're bad. He cares if you're good just as much. He's fine with you being good as long as it's not chasing after God. And if the only thing that I'm thinking about in my life is what everybody else is not doing or doing, which I'm certainly not arguing that sin is okay. This has nothing to do with that. This is about me and the Lord. And when I start trying to prove, I get in a mess. And I'm going to hit a couple things real quick so y'all listen. I've noticed that people that are in this category, because I've been there dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens of times in my life, that we're actually needy. Someone say needy. needy. We're needy. We're needy. I had this mentor in my life, and when God started doing these crazy things and opening up doors and favor started coming my way, and I didn't know why, and God started opening men into my life to mentor me that I would have laughed at if you would have told me it would have been them who would have mentored me. These people came to me. I promise you this is not a joke. And they said to me, well, obviously you don't need me in your life anymore. And they left. I'm talking about high and dry. Do not talk to me anymore. And I love them deeply. I'm grateful for those men in my life, but they left me high and dry because they literally said to me, you don't need me anymore. And I thought, "Was was our relationship strictly based on my need for you? Can I tell you something in hindsight? This is years ago. Can I tell you something in hindsight? The answer is yes. Because needy people need to be needed. And so... If I'm stoned heart, I'm needy. I'm letting you know this. Every one of those Pharisees were needy because they needed people to know how smart they were. They need everybody when they walk in the room to know they're the smartest person in the room when it comes to the Bible. They have to prove to everybody how much they know, how much they pray, how much they go, how much they give, how great they are, how great thou are. He, and and we'll, throw, we'll sprinkle in a little Jesus. Oh, by the way, God's good. There is such a void of humility in this case that it is unbelievable. It's It's scary. And yet, every time they come in contact with a person, this is why I get the red flag with religious people, every time they come in contact with a person, they want to tell them about God and how much they know and throw it in their face. 
But then they watch them and they go, why in the devil would I want what you got? Because you talked me to death, but you're hard as stone. You're bitter. There is poison coming out of you. It is toxic. It is spewing venom, and I don't want anything that you got. And the sad thing is people that are far from God oftentimes have a whole lot more understanding of the spiritual realm than we do because we think it's how much you know about God and not how much of you you've given to God. Needy people need to be needed. And another thing I've noticed is the more I deny my dysfunction, I am alliterating something good today. I'm just telling y'all. The more I deny my dysfunction, the more dangerous my heart is. The more in danger my heart is, I should say. Well, and it's dangerous too because I'm a stone thrower. I'm going to keep going. But y'all just got to know that a lot of us who are saved in this room in the last week, not in the last year alone, have become hard-hearted people. So verse 6 says, they said this so they could test them, like I said a minute ago, and they might be able to get a charge against them. And look what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, you're right. You're right. Jesus didn't say, you're wrong. Jesus said, savage Jesus. Cool. Didn't say a word. Bent down and started writing in the sand. Everybody has an opinion on what he did. The truth of the matter is, and I'm not, this is the absolute truth, we really don't know for sure. A lot of suggestions are that he began to write their sin. That would make sense, and that very well could have been it. If anybody tells you for sure that was it, they lying because they don't know for sure. They might be right, but we don't know for sure. But that makes sense to me. But whatever they wrote, them stony-hearted people didn't like. Look what it says. He bent down the road in the sand, and as he continued, he stood up and said to them, let each one of you, let him who was without sin, you be the first one to throw a stone at her. And then, once more, he bent over and wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, when they heard it, when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the oldest one, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Now, this was not allowed. You couldn't speak to a woman. Better yet, let a naked woman who was caught in adultery have any kind of conversation with you whatsoever. He should have shunned her. He should have condemned her. He should have thrown her to the wolves and said, now you go die. Do y'all know how filthy and awful stoning was? You had to bury someone up to their waist to embarrass them, take them just outside the city walls, and take big rocks and throw them at their head. Because even though I believe looking at you in this room, none of y'all are murderers, a lot of us in our hearts have wanted and felt that way. I just wish I could rip their head off. And it's, become, it's because we got the stony heart. And I believe, I hope, that I would never do something like that. But if we're right, and if it's justified, don't we say that? It was justified. We'll become them. But there's another group of people in the room, and that's the lady. And can I tell you something? I've been the lady many times in my life. Matter of fact, I felt like I was the lady last night because I didn't use profanity. But I found myself right at the front end of this conversation where you're supposed to have a hot and ready pizza for me. And you ain't got nothing ready. And I just said, well, what's the point of the thing on the menu? Hey, do you know what? I was right. Y'all know that? I was right. And the girl started tearing up, and I was like, I didn't cuss at you. I didn't hate you. I didn't do anything. She said, all day long, it's been like this. It's awful. And this was my thought. Way to go, preacher. You're going to go up there and rip it tomorrow with a stony heart today. And I just, told, I just started having a chance to tell her the truth. I said, look, 
no matter what the case is, that ain't your fault. And she said, you know what, it is my fault. And I said, nah, my attitude's never your fault. My attitude's never, you don't ever get to decide what my attitude is. And I was a complete and total, teetotal jerk. And I apologize. Because if I have to wait an hour, who cares? In the grand scheme of my life, that doesn't matter. And this has nothing to do with this. This was already hard, and I wanted to come at you because I wanted to come at something, and I couldn't figure out who to come at, so I decided to do you. And I just confessed to her right there. I'm embarrassed how I've acted, and I hope you'll forgive me. I don't know what the rest of that day's like. I don't know that girl's name. But if I was her, I sure wouldn't want to come here. <laughs> but I just thought to myself, when I got home and after Lee and I hung out for a little while longer and I was laying in bed, I thought, I'm not just a Pharisee. I feel like that lady now. Because no one caught me. Pretty sure no one was recording it. And if they were, it wouldn't get on the news because it wasn't that nasty. But it was nasty enough to where I made a girl tear up who was just trying to work a job to pay her Christmas bills. And I felt like I was standing alone with Jesus. And Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, I love this so much. Knowing that she was about to die, there was no doubt in her mind. Once she was caught, there was no options in the law that a woman caught in adultery was killed, exiled, and thrown out. Her body would lay there. It would not even be buried properly. She was condemned. She was cast out. She was gross. Like many of y'all have thought many times in your life, I'm gross. There's no way God can use me again. There's no way I can be one of God's. And I love this. It says that Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. I need y'all to say that word right after that. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go. Neither do I condemn you. Go. Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Look what the Passion Translation says. Go. And from now on, be free from a life of sin. This does not mean you won't have slip-ups and stupidity. This means that you don't have to stay hard in your life. It means that you don't have to remain calloused in your life. It means you don't have to be stuck your entire life. But many of us believe it's what we do for God and not what God's done for us. Therefore, we constantly measure our lives. Look at me. We constantly measure our lives. How much have I done? 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 And he's not concerned with that. How much of you do I have access to? How much of you do I have access to? How much of you are you giving me? Because when I judge my life on a calendar week, y'all, this week was for real. I can't even describe some things that happened in my life. On Tuesday morning when I woke up, I shared with the staff in our devotion, and I texted the guys in my small group, something's, something's shifting. That was December 1st. Literally, the Holy Spirit said to me, and I wrote it word for word. Why wait till January 1st? Today's a new day. I'm about to shift some things. There's some change coming. And I just felt this, this thing flooding me. I felt the fire from the Holy Ghost come over me. I'm telling y'all, just like I feel it right now. And I knew it was right. And y'all, I can't tell you the testimony that I'll be able to only tell a handful of people. One day I believe the testimony is going to be able to be told on this stage. But what I witnessed God do on Friday of this past week was life-changing and then some. And I got to be a part of several other things that God was doing in this world that for whatever reason he chose to let me. And yet on Saturday, I'm in a funk that I didn't ask for. 
Because all that, listen, look at me, all that calcium that was being, and acid that was being broken down, and the more free, and the more that I chased, and the more I started feeling comfortable. And then I woke up Saturday, and it's not how much I did or didn't pray. It's not how much I did or didn't get in the Word. It's that, it's that my feelings began to be able to, for this much to dictate how I go. And I never trust my emotions. But one thing that I'm grateful for, one thing that I'm grateful for was it was never about my performance. I was never the outcome commander. I was never the one that was supposed to be in charge of how great everything goes. Just the obedient servant, just the man that will follow him. And so no matter how great I try to accomplish what I do in a microphone or what I do as a leader or what I do as anything, God does not have, God does not have the same measuring stick that we do. We beat ourselves up so much, parents. I haven't done all these things right, but do you love them? Are you trying to model what it's like to follow the Lord? Because even if you're the person who has screwed it up bad and been divorced, even if you're the person that has screwed it up with your kids, even if you're the person that screwed it up at work and believes you have no hope before, God does not decide about your story based on how good you can do. God decides about your story based on what he decided long before you were ever born, what he wanted to do. And the thing that he's looking for is people that will look up at him like this woman caught in adultery and said, there's no one, Lord. And then grab his hand and believe that that's true and be ready to go and live a free life. You see, it's not enough to just have a heart change. It's a heart that remains changed that can change the world. Look at what the Bible says in Ezekiel 36. It says, and now I will give you, somebody say it, a new heart. Say new heart. He'll give us a new heart and a new spirit he'll put within us and remove the heart of stone. He doesn't just say he'll, he'll, he'll sprinkle some stuff on it. He takes it out. The only way this stone or this heart gets stony again is if when I start feeling stuff in emotion, I don't let the cleansing take place. I'm going to show you that in just a second. It says, and, and, I, and give you a new heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That does not say I have to focus on obeying the rules. It says once he gives me the new heart, he gives me the desire and ability to do it. I'll say it this way. Here's what I told several people this week in my office. I focus so much on doing these great things in God, but I'm natural. And there's unnatural things that he's called me to. Or in, or in the spiritual world, we call them supernatural things. But I never have to worry about the super. I just have to worry about the natural. He does the super. He adds the super to my natural. But it's got to be a partnership of the Holy Spirit and Mark together. And whenever I decide I'm right, I'm going to do my thing, the law, I'm going to point you out. I just push the super to the side and then I try to be super on my own and I become needy and I start throwing rocks and I get angry, I almost fell off, we're going to keep going. I, I do all this crazy stuff and I get mad and I get mad that you don't want to hear from me. Why do you not want me to mentor you? Why do you not want me to be awesome? How, how, you must, how do you not repeat? How do you not appreciate? And then I start throwing stuff at people that are actually supposed to be people I'm running with because I'm so needy in my life. And we wonder why people don't, don't wonder, want what we got. It's because we want them to need us. And when they don't need us, we throw rocks at them. Hearts of stone 
pick up and throw stones, but hearts of flesh promote healing and forgiveness. That's where freedom comes from. If you want to be a freedom fighter in this room, you got to guard your heart. you got to make sure that every day you wake up, you don't trust your feelings for one second. I don't care if you feel great, and I don't care if you feel bad. You submit yourself to the Lord before you start your day. You humble yourself before God's mighty hand. You know some things that we do wrong? We don't take authority in our homes. You say, all this stuff comes in my home, I don't understand. Have you taken authority? The Bible says that we have the ability to do so, to bind the enemy from our homes. And if hell's coming in your house, it's because you let him in. Not because he forced his way, and he cannot force his way in the home of, of a child of God. So bind on earth, and it will be bound in heaven, and loose on earth, and it will be loosed in heaven. A bunch of y'all have loosed hell in your home, and you're mad. Turn it off. Shut it down. And turn back to Jesus. Because this, this healthy, healing heart only comes from a heart change in Christ. You can't do it by yourself. You'll never do it by yourself. And you can have a great week and screw things up like crazy. And I love this. The word for, for fleshly heart means tenderhearted. And look at the command that Paul said. He said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 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 forgiving one another just as Christ forgave me. But you know what? I don't worry about what Christ did for me. If I'm hard-hearted, if I'm needy, the only thing I'm worried about is what did you do for me lately? And I become so me-focused that I become rock-hearted and I start thinking of ways that I can throw them at you. But tender hearts always turn to God. Tender hearts always turn to God. Here's how I'm gonna close. Y'all look at me. This is good. And it's the best part. It's the best part. Because I learned this, the more that I did sports medicine stuff in coaching and the more, the more I got readjusted to where I could turn again, I realized that the only way I could keep from getting these horrible migraine headaches, the more acid that came in and become, become toxic in my body because it gets in my bloodstream and do all this, is I had to flush it with lots of, does anybody know? Water. Everybody say water. Say it loud. Say water. And every time that I, that I get an adjustment and I feel the knots loosening up and the, and the inability to turn loosens up, if I don't flush it with lots of water, even though I feel better for maybe 45 minutes, an hour, even a day, the next day is not better. It's actually in some ways worse. But if I'll drink bottle after bottle after bottle of water, it's unbelievable because not only does this happen, but the flush happens. And then I get real freedom. Because I have freedom in my neck, freedom in my spinal column, freedom to just not feel uptight and feel knotted anymore, but I also don't feel toxic. I don't know if y'all know the Bible, but if you don't, I'll just give this part to you because it's amazing. In John, this is chapter 7, and the very beginning of 7. Y'all hear what I said? The very beginning of 7, the very, or the very beginning of 8, excuse me, the very end of 7. This is what Jesus said right before this happens. He was in the same temple. And it says he stood up on a box. And he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because out of me flows a fountain of living water. And in John 4, three chapters earlier, he says to a woman who's at the well, who he shouldn't even be speaking to in the middle of the day, and she's hiding because she's had five husbands, and this is not her husband. She's living with the sixth one. And she's just trying to get some water so she can be satisfied today. And he said, I've got a well that never runs dry. Come to me and drink because my well never runs dry. It is not you that is the provider of the water. It's you that's the cistern that holds it. 
But Jesus is the well that never runs dry. His Holy Spirit is the one that bubbles up in you that never runs dry. So the way that I can keep from getting toxic is not by religious things. It's by submission to his will, cooperation with the Holy Spirit and saying, I lay it down at your feet. I've tried so hard, but this year's been hard, God. I don't know where to turn. Lay it down. I don't know, I don't know what to do. Lay it down. And this is the exciting thing to me. He looked down at the woman and said, neither do I condemn you. And many of you came in here and felt condemned today. But this is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Romans 8 verse 1 said, there is therefore now no condemnation. Someone say no. None. Zero. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The no is why we go. I have no condemnation. I'm not condemned. I'm not laying there a filthy, gross person. Even though I feel gross and filthy when I get toxic and I know what happens when I get angry. Look at me. You'll do crazy things if you get toxic. You'll do crazy things if you get bitter. You'll do crazy things if you get hard. I don't care how good you think you are. Let me look at you online. I don't care how good you think you are. The scariest people are the ones that feel safe in in themselves because they will destroy a home in a minute. They'll destroy a a job in a minute. They'll destroy their lives in a minute, and then they'll come and say, God, take me out of this. He wanted to take you out of it before you started by letting you, giving him your whole heart. So you got to know that there's no condemnation. You got to give him all of you, and then we leave by going, and from now on being free from a life of sin. So this is the closing. There's people that you came in this room today and you felt tied up. You felt messed up. You're so frustrated with yourself because you honestly feel rage and anger in your heart and you don't know where that rage is coming from. Mark, I just feel so angry. Where's this anger coming from? Look, it's coming from you allowing you to lead you. It's coming from the bitterness that comes from getting an adjustment and finding out how good God is and then turning your eyes off of him. It is worse feeling than never knowing him at all. And you'll do more damage than a person that didn't know Jesus. But if anyone's thirsty, let him come to him and drink. Because he'll turn you back to him. And then he'll give you the water that never runs dry. He's the brook that never gets old. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I wanted to make this an offering for you today, an opportunity for you today, that this right here is your altar. We had had a dozen people or more in the first service. And y'all look at me. If you sit where you are and you're too prideful in your heart to move, then you may stay bitter because you decide I don't want anybody to know. But y'all, the reality is, look at me. Right here, look at me. Everybody around you knows if you're bitter in your heart. So why not get better? Get up and get better. Get up and kneel down before God and say, I want this so bad. You don't have to get on your knees. You can stand up. But just come forward and say, God, I give up. And I need you because I'm ready to go and I want to do great things, but it's not about how much I want to do. It's about what you've done. So I come to you and drink. So I'm asking each person in this room, get up and let's go. Get up and let's go. If you know you feel hard in your heart, you felt bitter, you've been so angry, you, you feel like your marriage is breaking up, you feel like your life's breaking up, then just make this your altar right now. Just make this your altar right now. You don't have to wait. You can come right this second. You come. You come, whoever it is. I know there's somebody. I can feel the Lord's presence in this room, and I know there's some people in this place that need to come. So if it's you, you come. You be first. Thank you so much. Who else? Who else? Who else said, this is me? I need to go. I need to come down. I need the Lord to minister to my soul right now. Come on, we'll take as long as we need. 
I need the Lord to minister to my soul right now. I've let, I've let bitterness, I've let hurt, I feel so tied up that, I, that I'm so miserable moving down the road and looking at anybody. I can't see anything and I just, I just wish I could get some help. You've got help. In the person of the Holy Spirit, you've got help. He loves you so much. There's no mountain. He won't climb up. There's no shadow. He won't light up. He's coming after you. He's coming after you, young person. He's coming after you, adult. He's coming after you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. I'm not going to touch you and lay, but I metaphorically, I'm laying my hands on each person. Each person. Ladies, each person, I'm laying my hands on you. Lord, I just pray that you who are the yoke breaker, you who are the one that said all who are weary and heavy laden, you'll give us rest. That we can take your yoke upon us because that binding chain around us, that bitterness, that hurt, that past, that thing we've defined ourselves as no longer who we are, that bitterness that we've allowed to come in our heart, that toxic stuff that's gotten in our bloodstream is no longer what we have anymore, God, because you give us the blood transfusion of the blood of Christ that takes away the sins of each one of us. Lord, we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I pray an overcoming word right now. Lord, we lay hands metaphorically over every single person in here. Will you break the yokes? Because I believe this is anointing that breaks the yokes. Lord, every part of bitterness that's on them is gone in Jesus' name. But tomorrow, it has an opportunity to come back until we drink from your well, until we turn our hearts back to you, until we humble ourselves before your mighty hand, until we pray and seek your face. And so, God, that's the commitment that we make before our brothers and sisters today. We will get delusional if we're not careful, but we choose to say to hell with the devil and to hell with that. And in Jesus' name, we give ourselves away. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to give you an opportunity like I did at the end of the first service. I believe there's some hearts in here that may have come down and you may have sat in your seat, but you know you're far from God, but you feel him right now. And you want him to change you. You're that woman who's laying down and you're embarrassed and you don't think he loves you. He loves you so much. And all that salvation is is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you are saved. So I need to know, is there anyone willing to confess by simply throwing their hand up and saying, Mark, that's me. Throw your hand up right now. Say, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus right now. I need Jesus right now. Anybody else? Anybody else? Online, if it's you. Here's what I want you to do. You can put your hands down and everybody look this way. I want y'all to pray with me out loud because I believe believing in your heart is an acknowledgement. And so confessing with your mouth is confessing with your mouth. We're going to do it together out loud. Can y'all do it with me? Say yes if you can. We're going to do it together as a family. So online, you're going to do this with us. We're going to pray this. Pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died. Come on, say it loud. Say, you died. You rose again so that I could have life in your name. I believe you are who you said you are and did what you said you did. And today, come on, say it loud. Say, today, I give you my life. I am your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together in this place. We can do better than that. Let's celebrate the name of Jesus who is mighty to save. Hey, look at me.
I don't care if you came forward, raise your hand or not, watching online and in this room. If you did that just now, I want you to text this word. I'm not asking you to fill anything out. I'm not asking you to do anything, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I want you to text this word because we will help you. We're not coming to your house. We're not going to scare you, but if you'll text the word ALIVE, one word, ALIVE, 864-606-3600, ALIVE. That's all you got to do. We're going to celebrate with you, and we will help you because this is a family thing. Look, family members have bad days, but the difference is you don't have to keep a bad heart. And all of you will have a bad day, but it's unnecessary to have a heart that's bitter anymore. Y'all stand with me right now. We're going to sing this song, and y'all make it an anthem because it couldn't be more perfect. Y'all are more than welcome to stay where you are, or you can back up a little bit, or you can go back to your seat. I don't care what you do, but y'all just make this an anthem. And in Jesus' name, let's make this song the celebration song that we're not bitter people, that we're going in freedom in Jesus' name.